And as my purpose grew, I got happier. And it wasn't until I felt the shift of feeling depression and despair into purpose again that I realized how vital purpose is to the human existence. Absolutely. It is so vital. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Thanks for joining today, y'all. I've got such a fun episode with my friend Burgundy. Burgundy and I have worked together over the past few years through the different businesses that she has, Stylish TV and the Texas Fashion Awards. She is changing this fashion scene here in San Antonio, here in Texas, across the globe, really. She is blazing trails. She's creating her own path. She's not letting anybody tell her what to do or how to do it. And she is making a name for herself. She is creating a future for these artists and these creatives that are part of the fashion industry here in Texas, really helping them make a name for themselves, helping them learn the business. I can't wait to bring you her story. And she has quite a story. Her journey is something to admire. She tells you all about her story. She is honest with her story and how she came up after hitting rock bottom. It's really a story about how you can really find joy in finding your purpose, and she is a true testimony to that. I know y'all are going to love learning all about Burgundy and find ways to support her. Okay, y'all, so let's get going. I'm excited to bring on Burgundy today, and me and Burgundy are talking about her fashion news company here in San Antonio and how she's kind of changing the, the fashion scene all across our state and beyond. So this is big fitness, right? That's yeah. That's yes. my F word. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thanks so much for joining, Burgundy. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm a huge fan of yours, and you have been so inspiring all five years that we've been in San Antonio and keeping us healthy and happy and on track, and I know Janelle is always with you, and she sends all your vibes and your yes. messaging back to us, yes. and it's yes. awesome. Yeah, it is. I love working with y'all. So for all the listeners out there, tell us a little bit about what Stylish TV is. So Stylish TV is my online fashion media company. It actually was founded in Hollywood, California. So I'm from San Antonio, born and raised on the South Side. But my entire adult career was spent in Hollywood, California. And I was in the music industry in the beginning, working for major record labels. And then I went to fit them to pursue what I thought was going to be my career, which was fashion design. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that at FITM, you know, when you take a, a fashion design degree, you also learn what's called trend forecasting. And this is mostly data collection and analysis and then report creating. So I took a liking to that for some reason. I didn't even know that career existed. I was really good at it. And all my professors and teachers were like, when it comes to trend forecasting, you kind of have to have Yes, you have to have education, but you have to have a gut instinct about what's going to happen along with your mathematical formulas and kind of predicting trends. And I was always on point. I was always predicting these trends and then creating these reports that actually people wanted to buy. So that's how I ended up in fashion news because fashion news really at its source is data collection and then reporting the data, basically. Mm -hmm. So my projects were really great. 
and my professors were the only ones seeing them. So a long time ago in 2009, <laughs> uh, when nobody was doing it, I started a YouTube channel. And at that time, yeah. I think what happened was at that time, nobody was doing that. So yeah. it was easy to stand out everybody was just doing home videos or look at us at the zoo and nobody had really figured out that this was going to be the new form of information and time we're still looking at television. And so I put out my trend reports on YouTube channel. I did it just like a news anchor would do it. And very soon after that, I long story short, MySpace in Beverly Hills called and was like, we want you to be the star of our fashion channel on MySpace. And we want you to do the exact same thing you're doing, you know, but do it on our platform. We're going to go this different route. We're going to try to be, and at the time it was called online television. It was like groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I did that with MySpace for a while. At the peak of my career, I had 4 million followers or friends. At the time it was called Friends. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Friends and uh, had, you know, it was great. And of course, as everyone knows, that Titanic sank. But it was nice because at that time, I had a really relaxed contract that allowed me to keep some of my content that I had originally been doing on my own. And when I did go on my own, I was at burgundywoods.com and I had my following followed. Like, it, and usually that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But then I got, you know, another offer. And this is what brought me to San Antonio. I got another offer by this really big company that was like, we are going to pursue online media we want you to be, you know, president of the department when expand on online media, like, because at that time, I was really at the forefront of online media within the fashion vertical. So I was a leader in the industry. And, and right when I, I mean, signed the contract, six figure salary, we were all getting going at that time. That was when my mom got sick. Mm -hmm. And I had to come home to San Antonio. It was like a no brainer. So yeah. it was a really difficult time. But when I came home to San Antonio, you know, Luckily, there was a need. There was a need here. There was an amazing fashion community, but they were all separated. Nobody knew about each other. Nobody was working together. People thought that the fashion community did not exist. Right. They only knew of maybe like the handful of people that they knew. And I was going all over the place like, no, there's tons of you. You guys just don't know each other. Right, right. Yeah. And so I rebranded just because I felt like this was a different demographic than Hollywood. Like our, the audience is just so insanely right. different. And there was a different need. So I wanted to rebrand. And so I did. And, and in 2014, my old company rebranded to Stylish TV. Same concept, same everything. We still pioneered community fashion news parallel to high fashion news, which was a, is a new concept that I'm really proud that we invented. And that's how it happened. That's how it happened. And five years later, even with all the naysayers saying, oh, you're going to go out of business. There's no fashion here. Five years later, here we are, still thousands of stories yeah. in, telling the story of the fashion community yeah. throughout Texas now. That's awesome. So it does, so you do, your scope is like outside of San Antonio, right? Like you're, you're broadcasting to the whole state? Yeah. Your well, yeah. So it started in San Antonio because obviously that was the need that I saw right away here when I came home. It was San Antonio based for two reasons. One, I always knew that it needed to be statewide. But in the beginning, I wanted to gain the trust of San Antonio first. I wanted them to see, like, I see you. I recognize you. Let me tell your stories. And I always knew it would expand to Texas. But in the beginning, it was vital to bring credibility to San Antonio because nobody took us seriously. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, that's not a thing, you know? <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and it was, it really was. And, and, you know, part of that was dedicating myself to San Antonio for, you know, I, I said at least four years, we've got to, you know, dedicate to San Antonio and touch on all these different fashion industries so that, you know, that people know that they exist. And one year wasn't going to be enough, you know, to tap into fashion design, to tap into hair and makeup, to tap into the local retail scene, to tap into the models and the modeling agencies, to tap into these amazing people like producing fashion shows and, and whatnot. So that was like the first reason was just to build that trust. Like, look, I'm an advocate for you. I Believe me, my whole life is going to be dedicated to telling your stories. And then the, the second reason that we did San Antonio first was because, well, kind of similar, but we wanted to prove ourselves to the rest of Texas too when we did expand to Texas because a lot of people think Dallas is the fashion right. capital of Texas, right? And so I was like, well, we need to collect enough proof so that when we do expand to Texas, there's a trust outside of San Antonio as well. Like, you know, we have professionals who care, who want to see this grow and join us. Mm-hmm. So we went statewide last year. At first, we were just, you know, fashion news, but Stylish has now become the global awareness department of something bigger. It's now called the Texas Fashion Industry Initiative, and it has three departments, global awareness being one, which is Stylish TV, <laughs> and, uh, and we still do what we do all day long, but the other two departments now have expanded to education as well as arts and culture, which is Texas Fashion Week, Arts and Culture, that's the big event for that, that department. And then education is just something that was just vitally needed throughout. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that's your, your nonprofit that you started. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know. We're moving kind of fast here. Yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. No, I love it. So, so then what was kind of your purpose behind starting that, that nonprofit? Yeah. So, Okay, so first of all, I'm a creative. I'm an artist. I love making creative content. That's what I did in Hollywood. That's what I did for my big bucks, right? That's my forte. I never, I never wanted to take over Fashion Week. I never wanted to host events. That's a whole other industry. Like, yeah, yeah. I never wanted to start an education curriculum. Like, these are all things that I had no idea were waiting, awaiting me down in my life. Like, I had no clue. I had no desire and I had no clue. I would just have been happy just doing stylish TV fashion news full time for the rest of my life, to be honest, because I love telling people stories and I love making a uh, creative content, you know, with video and, and whatnot. I'm good at it. I love it, you know, but th- a funny thing happened when I started telling people stories just organically for some reason, I sort of became like a mama bear to the fashion community because they started coming to me with problems they started coming to me with complaints they started coming to me with stories of the past you know there was a disconnect in the san antonio fashion community history where things just really declined and people lost hope and they lost you know the drive some people even completely left fashion and went into like medical sales like i mean this is how bad it got people just didn't think it could happen and there was this really big disconnect so little did i know as i was telling these stories Little did I know, I was actually historically documenting this progress and growth. And little did I know that I was learning about problems. I didn't realize it until one day I was like, you know what? Not only are we telling stories, but we are really at the root of where people go 
to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Let's look at all these problems. And then it all came down to three things. One, the fashion community here felt alone. So especially if they were an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. they felt like there wasn't a community of industry people that they could talk to about their problems. They felt like there wasn't an industry they could go to when they were feeling low. There was nothing, no support system. And that was a complaint that came over and over. Gosh, you know, I'm not doing so well. And I don't really have any friends in the industry that I could talk to about it. So I was like, okay, that's one, right? The second thing was education. Oh my goodness. So there's different areas in the fashion industry here where education is so vital. And so we were like, okay, we've broken down into these sections, like where people need to be better educated to increase the quality overall for everyone. So and what do you see those areas? So right now we're doing, okay, the first one is entrepreneurship. So, and, and these three problems became our departments. So that's why I'm, I'm saying, so stylish, okay, the awareness wasn't there. Stylish provided a solution for that. Now everyone knows San Antonio has a fashion scene and now everyone knows Texas is legit. Cool. Education, that is the big one. So we have in the works education for entrepreneurs, for our youth, as well as educators of fashion. So those are our three areas. And we believe like once these things, which they're already in progress, they're happening. Once we start to get a flow with this, everything will change. I truly believe that. So right now, the one that we just launched that I'll talk about now is the Silver Jacket program because the biggest educational problem personally learned about throughout my five year it's not enough to be an artist. You have to know how to be a business. Mm -hmm. And no one, <laughs> no one who got formal art education and fashion knew how to run their business. Right. They were right. coming up with problems, you know, accounting, what? I have to do that, right? You know, value proposition, what? Like, it's just all these things that artists don't think about. Marketing, accounting, I mean, graphic design, a website, like effective business plan to keep right. you on track. You know, right. all these really boring things that nobody wants to do is actually 90% of a successful creative business. So I put together all the classes and resources that I personally took to increase the potential and success of Stylish TV, which was a totally creative outlet in the beginning. I put it all into this class and said, these are the things that these artists need to know in order to, to be successful in the reality of a sole proprietorship in the beginning. Being, you don't have money, you don't have human resources, and you're doing everything by yourself. Right. So for people who are, and people want to glamorize it, right, and be like, no, in the beginning, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I keep telling them, no, 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 no. That's when you have money and you can hire people. My artists cannot hire people right. right now. They are literally making the art and doing everything. So we need to think outside of the box and create something that someone can do alone, poor, and just they're their own boss. Right. Like, if we can figure that out, we've got something new and innovative that I've never seen anywhere ever. Because I know I looked for it. I was desperately trying to find someone who has done this before. So I'd have a roadmap, you know, like. I wanted to learn off of someone else, but there's nothing, Hope. There was nothing. So I literally had to just make it up. Yeah. Then I went to people who are successful entrepreneurs, who are already business mentors, and I said, look at this curriculum. What else can I implement here? What else can we pepper in with these tangible skills for a sole proprietor doing everything alone who's poor? 
like literally. Mm -hmm. And they helped and they perfected it with me. And I call it the silver jacket program. And so what happens is applications go out in the fall and artists, fashion artists, you could be any kind of fashion creative, as long as you've already kind of been creating your art and have some sort of tangible product, but you're struggling business wise, that qualifies you. So you apply and once you get in, it's a 12 week course. It's really rigorous, but I really believe in it. And the goal is to get these, these entrepreneurs independent, you know, they learn the skills that they need. Plus they meet all these amazing educators and co-facilitators and a network of professionals that will be there if they run into problems throughout their career. It's right. amazing. And then we, we help launch their business. So once they go through the classes, we help launch their business. The TFII is somewhat like a little, like a chamber of commerce kind of in the fact that we do ribbon cuttings and we celebrate their grand opening. We're really trying to drive economic development within the fashion sector in San Antonio and throughout Texas. And then when they get their feet wet, we also offer a business accelerator program, right? Because it's not enough to launch these businesses. They need help along the way because they're going to run into new problems, mm -hmm. right? New questions, new everything. So we have an accelerator program. Once they meet all the specific criteria. Oh, and I forgot to mention the fun fashion part. So <laughs> the fun fashion part is they get a denim jacket, right? In the beginning. And every time they learn like a business curriculum, they get a patch, kind of like the girls. How cute. So, like, I love yeah, that. it's super fun. So when they register their business downtown, they get a, a, you know, a DBA patch. When they learn accounting on QuickBooks, they get a, an accounting patch. When they get, you know, every time they master these skills and I feel like, okay, they got it. They don't need me anymore. They don't need the co-facilitator. They can do it on their own. They're going to get a patch. Now, once they get all their patches, once they meet all the criteria through the launch and the accelerator program, then the big moment is they have their huge breakout moment, their business breakout moment at Texas Fashion Week. So whatever day represents their industry, they will be a part of it. And the people who meet all the criteria will upgrade their denim jacket to the silver jacket at the Texas Fashion Awards on stage. They will be deemed the ones to watch fashion businesses for 2021. It's so. so awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's fun. We had to make it fun and fashionable. Yeah. We also had to make it super hardcore and effective because yeah. that you got to be tough, man. You have to be tough. You've got to really want it and you got to learn the right things, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or you get left behind. I mean, that's, you know, what separates the successful, you know, artist, business entrepreneurs, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Or they give up, right? Right. right. They give up and that is, I don't want to see that happen anymore. Like I'm so tired of people giving up on San Antonio. I'm tired of people giving up on fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, I want people to understand now that we're here, we will not stop until people really feel like fashion is here. If there's a support system, there's education, there's a fashion week. Should I need it? There's, you know, a community, you know, we have memberships with TFII now. So that loneliness is gone. People can yeah. become a member. They can come yeah. and network with other people. Yeah. They can work together. The whole goal is to get Texans working with Texans and believing in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have to, there's, there's no reason why people have to leave to New York and LA, you know, headquarter here, by all means travel, you know, you got to travel for work, go to fashion week, go, go meet colleagues in LA and New York. But how about headquartering here? Bring your overhead costs down, right? Because San Antonio is more affordable. Mm -hmm. Stand out a little more, right? 
and then travel for work and then come home and tell everybody about, you know, everywhere else, but contribute to this economy through fashion. Like yeah. that's, that's our goal. That really yeah. is our goal. Industry, yeah. industry, industry. That's the one word we're constantly all capital letters throwing out at people. Yeah. That's what DFII stands for. Yeah. Yeah. So then have you seen it affecting the fashion world so far? Like what in your experience with these kind of local artists and people in the fashion industry, what has your effect been so far? I mean, I'm so in it that it's so funny because at the last fashion awards, I actually got a fact like two fashion awards and I host the dang thing. I didn't even know. (laughs) And you know, and I felt kind of embarrassed because well, one, it was like my event, right. And I'm getting awards, but I genuinely didn't know, but people, okay. I don't feel like I've done anything yet. Like, honestly, I don't. This is the first year that I am implementing a five-year vision, which is education, right? Global awareness, all year long with Style Lush. And then at the end is Fashion Week in the fall to, that's the big hurrah, right? And it's a cycle. It's a cycle. So this is something I've had in my mind for a very long time. I don't feel like I've done anything yet because this is the first year we're actually going to implement the entire cycle and collect the data mm-hmm. of the impact. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was moved to tears at last year's fashion awards because apparently there are people who feel like I've already done something. Of course you have. I <laughs> mean, I know this time of any true entrepreneurs are like, I haven't done anything. I've only been working on this for five years, but I, you know, I think that's... yeah. I think it's because we're so in it, you yes. know, like we're and so, you have, you so have, like looking yes. at the vision, like that's exactly. the, the, the point A to B, right? We're looking at the B. So I think as us entrepreneurs don't really feel like we've gotten there yet, you know, because there's so much to do. Yes. Yes. I feel like that like every day. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel, however, very proud of the fashion awards because yeah. it brings validity and credibility to the talent here in it brings like annually this celebration of not just the people who were nominated and who won, but of the entire fashion community, because if there really wasn't anything going on, we would not be able to have a fashion awards. Like just having the ability to showcase so much talent and to showcase that people are still in business. That's something to celebrate hands down. And that's, you know what I mean? Like every year at fashion awards, I try to remind people, remember, we've survived another fashion industry year. Totally. And that's something to celebrate because everyone keeps saying that we can't do it here. Right. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So what is your inspiration, like your underlying purpose inspiration for this industry and for what you're doing? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's so instinctual. I don't know. You know, it's funny because like I said, it was not my goal to be like this fashion advocate. Remember, like I came home and was like, I will be happy doing fashion news for the rest of my life. Like, I love that. But I am instinctually a problem solver. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, if I see a problem and I know I have the answer, I've always, and it doesn't matter what it is. I'm very stubborn like that, where it's like, we can fix that. We can fix that. We can fix that. Mm-hmm. You know? And the one thing that I always surprised when people give up, when they, when they go, Oh, that's going to be hard. Right. So, yeah. you know, you know what? That's the thing. Like it's a mindset. Like, yeah. so what? Everything's hard. If you think about it, like the definition of 
hard, right? I'm sure you deal with it all the time, Hope. Like, I want to work out, but it's so hard. Totally. Well, you yeah. just have to not think it's hard. Yeah, you just have to just do it. <laughs> just do it. Like, yeah. why put that in your head? It's hard, right? Mm -hmm. How about, no, how about put a different message? Like, I'm just going to go do it. Right. And then in 30 minutes, it'll be done. Or in an hour, it's going to be done. And it's not even going to feel like anything, right? Like, so when all these problems were coming up throughout the five years, my natural instinct was like, this needs to be fixed. Like, we can't complain about this forever. That's not going to do anything, right? There were people that would put us down and they live here. Like, oh, well, it's so much better in New York and Paris and this. And it's like, well, what are you going to do, though? Like, you yeah. live here. You right. live here. Don't you want it to be better? Like, so that kind of mentality, I don't know anything about. I've never been a complainer and then not do something. Like, yeah. I've always been like, well, if it's in my power and if I have a vision and if something's like sparks and I've always been like, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. My girls, they think I'm freaking crazy. Every <laughs> year, every year, we're a small business growing. And I would add more and more to their plate and more to their plate and more to their plate. Right. Janelle, Janelle Concepcion, she's celebrating five years with me. And the funny thing about it is, is she came on board because, and this is so funny, she's become my MVP now, right? But in the beginning, I saw her as a threat. I was like, that girl needs to be on our team. Uh -huh. And I went after her because <laughs> I was like, she's badass. She's beautiful. She's smart. And, you know, if she plays for anyone else's team, that's going to suck. I yeah. want her. So in the beginning, I brought her on thinking that she might not be with us for very long because I didn't really know who she was. And, you know, and I just knew that she needs to be with us. Mm -hmm. Well, five years later, she's been with me the most amazing MVP I could have ever asked for. I love her to death like a sister. I do anything for her. And I love her because every year I put more and more on the plate. Like, like okay, we're growing. Guess what? So now uh, we do fashion awards. Well, now we're going to do lo local night. We're going to shut down Houston Street. What? Like she couldn't. <laughs> what? And I said, yeah, I think we're going to shut it down. Well, no one does that. That's hard. That's why we're going to do it. Right. <laughs> and so we helped the retail scene. Then the following year it was like, okay, just so you know, I think we're going to add more to our plate. Uh, very soon we're going to do, we're going to do fashion week. Wait, what? No, what? And I, you know, and then I said, you know, we just have to, that things are evolving into that. We're going to have to start thinking about that because with our goals, you know, she's like, Bernie, are you crazy? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to be so hard. I know that's why we got to do it. And then the year after that, I was like, okay, Jeannie, we're going to start a nonprofit. What? Like, she just couldn't. <laughs> she's like, okay, wait, Berg, slow down. What? And I said, yeah, we're actually going to expand to Texas and we're going to start a nonprofit. And Funding is going to hurt. You know, all the money that we had, we had a choice, Hope. We could have either rode the wave of success with Stylush or we could take that money and reinvest in something that will help everyone. Mm -hmm. And when I told Jeannie that, then she was like, shit, yeah. we got to do it. And I yeah. was like, yeah, I get we got to yeah. do it. So, That's so awesome. So she and I, we embraced. We're like, okay. Here we go. Bye, money. Like, here we go. New. But, but I truly believe that was the right choice because Texas needs it. San Antonio needs it. We love the fashion community. Everything is coming so instinctual and organically. Mm -hmm. We're not forcing any of this. This right. is just organically yeah. happening. Yeah. And that's a good sign, right? For sure. And, and now that we are a nonprofit, 
so much more funding and support is available because we're a charity now and we have a mission than if we had just stayed a for-profit and rode the success of yeah. Salat alone and by ourselves. Like that doesn't make any sense to me when you see this problem in your face, you know, it's like, no, we need, we need something else. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just been amazing. Yeah. Well, so with your, this mindset you have, which I mean, for me as, you know, a fellow entrepreneur, it's like, you just, the way you are is the way you are. Like you're going to get things done. You see a problem, fix it. Where do you think that comes from? Or do you do any sort of like mindset, like personal development type stuff? Like how do you stay in that mindset? You know, honestly, I'll tell you where it comes from. So I grew up on the South side of San Antonio, Texas. This area was known for poverty, crime, gangs, pregnancy in your teens. And so I was told at a really young age that I was garbage, that I would never amount to anything. But, but in the household, I had my mother and my grandmother. So I grew up with these two generations of women. Now, my grandfather passed away, but my mom and I left my father because it was a bad situation, right? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in this house of all women who did everything and never said this is hard. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of brainwashed by birth to believe that I can do anything, that I'm supposed yeah. to do everything. Yeah. Like, and I think that has really been the biggest influence in my mindset is that from a young age, hey, we got to change the oil. Let's go change it. Hey, we got to move the couch from one side of the room to the other. Let's move it. Hey, we need to fix the sink. We got to fix it. Hey, you know, we need to go to the grocery store. We got to go do this. We got to do that. Like, we didn't have any men in the house. Mm -hmm. It was just three generations of strong Mexican-American women doing things instinctually. And so I just grew up knowing I could do anything. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's a mindset, you know? I. And people are always asking me, like, lately I've been able to do more interviews. I haven't been able to do that the first years of my business because I'm just so busy. You know how it is. Like, this is fun stuff, right? Yeah. But some male interviews, they'll be like, do you find it hard being a woman? And I'm like, honestly, I've never found it hard being a woman. <laughs> like, I've always done everything I wanted to do. Yeah. You know? I did feel resistance in Hollywood when I worked in the music industry, because it is a male dominated industry. You know, I worked for Interscope, Virgin Records, Capitol Records, like all the major. And so, yeah, there was a little resistance there, but I think times were changing mm -hmm. and there were a lot of female bosses as well. Right. So I was able to work with both powerful men and influential yeah. women. Yeah. And for some reason at that time, it didn't seem as bad. And when it did get bad, Again, that mindset, I proved my worth. And the men were like, she's a badass. Yeah, mm -hmm. hire her. Mm -hmm. Put her on that assignment. Put her on that meet and greet. Put her on that tour. Put her in that, you know, film and television, music licensing, everything. I never knew that being a woman was a negative or right. holding me back just because of the household and the type of environment I grew up in, you know? I mean, that's why you are where you are. That's amazing. I mean, that to contribute that to, that's so amazing. So where do you see, what is kind of your next, I mean, I know you have your five-year plan, but what do you have coming up now? Some exciting things that you're looking to with either Style Lush TV or with the Texas Fashion Industry Initiative? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest, most exciting thing right now is being able to implement this five-year vision for the first time. 
That's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So right now the Silver Jacket program is going on. And the way our cycle is going to work is we're going to advocate for education, you know, the first half of the year. The second half of the year is dedicated to providing or uh, growing Fashion Week in the fall, you know, sponsorships and, and getting people who want to come in and that. And then, of course, the Global Awareness Department, we do fashion news all year long. But that's the, I think that's the biggest thing is really creating this Fashion Week that is going to support industry because fashion weeks across the world when you think of fashion designers only all day long fashion shows that's the traditional fashion week well for san antonio as much as that's fun and as much as every day of our fashion week will have fashion shows that isn't really the foundation of our innovative different fashion week reason being is we cannot copy new york we're not new york we're not any other place but San Antonio. And in order for a fashion week to really succeed and create a positive impact, like you were saying, what is the impact, right? In order for it to create an impact, you got to be realistic about where you are. And you got to be realistic about the problems. And you got to be realistic about the fashion week providing a solution for growth, right? That's what it is. So even our fashion week, I was like, doing research on all kinds of fashion weeks. And you know, because I want a roadmap, right? Sure. But there wasn't one because our, <laughs> our problems are so unique to yeah. us. And so we had to make it up. I just had to sit there and make up a fashion week. And so our fashion week, although it is founded in fashion shows, that's the highlight, right? You buy your ticket, you're going to see some fashion shows. But every day advocates for a different industry in San Antonio that has some sort of entrepreneurship or presence in San Antonio. For example, Beauty Sphere. You will see fashion shows, but this advocates for makeup, hair, aesthetics, and wellness. Mm -hmm. So these are gonna, this day is going to advocate for people who do makeup, who do hair, who are in wellness, like you, Hope, right? Mm -hmm. You were in mm -hmm. uh, Local Night on Beauty yeah. last year, right? Yeah. Wellness, aesthetics, right? We have plastic surgeons. We've got Botox people. I mean, this is all part of the fashion industry, right? Uh, a spa treatment, or what is it, facials. Mm -hmm. That's a day to advocate for that. You're going to meet those people. You're going to understand their businesses. There's going to be performances on stage. And then there's going to be the fashion shows at the end. Look local. That advocates for retail, right? So all boutiques and stylists, that advocates for those. And again, the reason that these events were made is not because it's fun. They were made because this is the reality of the fashion entrepreneurship and businesses happening in San Antonio. So it advocates for retailers so they can show their inventory during the fashion shows. Right, it advocates for stylists who are styling the clothes for them. Sometimes the owner is also the stylist, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why they have a boutique because they style people and they needed a place to clothe their clientele. And then at the end of the night, the fashion shows are all about this beautiful inventory that's available to you right there at their pop-up shop on site. You know, so we're advocating for sales because all this is all fun and good, but if you don't help right. ROI and sales, like you got to make know, money. Yeah, what's the point? Right, right. So and then we have fashion is art. San Antonio has an amazing, very different fashion artist community. Now, these are artists whose art is founded in style and fashion, and, and it, it cross-pollinates. It really does. And this is one of our most spectacular and popular nights where you get to see the avant-garde fashion shows, right? All the stuff you can't wear to Taco Cabana, okay? <laughs> it's all the weird stuff, but it's beautiful. And we have partnerships with museums and galleries and raw spaces where these art installations go up where it's all fashion-based. You know, we even have as simple as a pair of beautifully created 
locally made shoes will be in a glass case just to educate the public and try to encourage them to look at fashion in a different way. Right. You know, it really is an art form. Everything. Yes, it's commerce. Yes, it's retail. Yes, it's sales. But at the foundation, fashion is such an art. It's an art. You have to be creative. You've got to be. And then we have streetwear. So with the increase of the street art movement here, I don't know if you guys know, but look them up, San Antonio Street Art on Instagram. There is a nonprofit here that advocates for street art, and they're, the president is responsible for like 60 murals around town. Yeah, they're incredible. They're amazing. And, and he completely revolutionized this movement by creating this nonprofit. And because the street art movement is growing, we, we had a positive impact on our streetwear industry. People were like, oh, my business is booming. And they were taking pictures in front of the murals and the street art. And those worlds cross-pollinated. And so now we're advocating for that as well because we have to be diverse, right? We can't just, you know, support one type of fashion. Yeah. That's growing? Yeah. Okay, TFII is going to support that too. Yeah. So that it's called Street Beat, right? I mean, it just it goes on and on. And then, of course, the Fashion Awards, right? The Fashion Awards is the night to celebrate everybody and everything and all the people who can be looked at as role models to, uh, you know, for their careers. Sometimes people have really great ears. They win. It's amazing. I mean, our models alone, my God, they're now in Tokyo and Japan. And mm-hmm. it's amazing what's yeah. happening. It's so it wonderful. Really is. No, and so, I, yeah. love, I love that you, and you said it there. I was going to bring it up, but you said it. I love how you're, you're not trying to be New York. Or you're not trying to be LA. And you're not trying to be Paris. Like you see the industry or you see the demographic here. and I just love how you're, you are, you're coming up with your own roadmap. Like you haven't followed anybody else's. And I, I mean, I think that's amazing that you're not following anybody else's lead and you're just doing it and you're doing it how San Antonio is, you know, responding to it. Like, don't get me wrong. I love New York. Who does it? Of course, like, of course. Yes. I mean, you, I love it. I love LA. Like a lot of people don't. I personally yeah. had the most amazing experience yeah. there. I met the most amazing people. I still talk to them to this day. They're constantly like, call in your favors, Berg. And I'm like, no, not yet. I don't need you. (laughs) I'm stubborn like that. I haven't called in any favors. But here's the thing. The one thing that hasn't yet changed, everything's changed in San Antonio. When I came home from Hollywood, the one thing, and it bugs the hell out of me, that hasn't changed is this damn inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. San Antonio is still having this strange inferiority complex about the value we provide culturally to the world. Mm -hmm. The reason people, we need to start taking pride in who we are. The fashion community doesn't have to change, you know, improve your skills, get good at your trade. Yes. Educate yourself. Of course, be inspired, get diverse with what you do. Of course, but you don't have to change into something else. Right. I feel like sometimes people want to be what New York is. And it's like, people don't come to San Antonio to visit New York. Right. They come to San Antonio to visit San Antonio. Right. They come here to see color for the food, for the people. You know, if they wanted to see New York fashion, they'd go to New York. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They are not coming here for that. We have to embrace and take pride in the fashion scene that is here, and we have to support the fashion scene that is here. You've got to tell people, your work is awesome. Keep doing it and look. just wait and see what happens. Right. When we start telling people they're awesome, when you start really bringing credibility and value to their unique perspective that they got because they were born here, by the way, not because they were born over there. Mm-hmm. They were born here, the colors, the tapestries, the eclecticism, like 
that's because we were born here. We were right. born here. Right. And so I just want so much for people to understand that my whole drive comes from the fact that I do not see us as an inferior product. And I do not see us as something that we have to mold into something else. Right. I see us as something special and unique that people from all over the world will come and see because we are who we are. Yeah. So that's amazing. I love that. So yeah. before I ask you this last question, where can people find you and follow everything you're doing with Stylish and all of the things fashion? Yes. So we have two main, oh God, I literally have 15 social medias. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> but I will say Instagram is the easiest. If I had to lay it out easy, follow the umbrella movement, which is the nonprofit now. The big nonprofit is called Texas Fashion Industry Initiative. And uh, you can find that handle at Texas Fashion Industry. The website is also, it's texasfashionindustry.org. Mm -hmm. And you can read about everything. Some things, not yet. We haven't, there's more in the works. You would yeah. not even believe the most amazing things are in, in the works right now. But, but the gist of it, you can read about it. Uh, if you want to be a member, that's another thing. And you don't even have to be in fashion to be a member. We have power advocates and things like that. People who just want to support right. it and be part of the events and, and things like you, you should be power advocates. Yeah. Typically they're sponsors. They're people who understand the power of the fashion industry yeah. that, that we cross pollinate. Yeah. And that, you know, want to be a member to show support. Cool. So you don't have to be in fashion, although we do have a professional's directory. And it's up because we want people to know these people. Click sure. on their websites. Right. Do business with them. Mm -hmm. When it comes to fashion news, you can go to StylishTV.com. And that is all Texas fashion news. A lot of San Antonio, obviously, because we're headquartered here. Parallel next to high fashion and pop culture. Because this is the thing. I want people to start understanding that it's all one and the same. Mm -hmm. You know, Texas isn't down here and then all the rest is up here. No, it's parallel to it, peppered right. in together because it is one and the same. We yeah. want people to understand, you know, the value that's here. And so that's why we do it like that. And of course, it's always fun, right? Yeah. Back to pop culture. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. So, sure. so yeah, you can find that on TV.com and then the handle. Yeah, and it's fun. And, and the handle's at Stylish TV. So it's really easy to find us. Yeah. If you want to follow Fashion Week, that's Texas Fashion Week. Those are different, you know, because Twitter and all of that. Sure. But you can find those as well. If you just go to those two, mm -hmm. then you'll be able to find Texas Fashion Awards and Texas Fashion Week from there. But the main ones are at Texas Fashion Industry and at Style Lush TV. And you'll, you'll stay in the loop. All right. And so, and then the, the Texas Fashion Week is in the fall. Yes. Right. So last year we had our prototype because this, like I said, it was a very weird fashion week. And we were like, is this even going to work? <laughs> so last year we had our prototype. It launched. It was called Fashion Week SATX. It was a temporary name just so we could test. It was a test market. Because it was successful and because it, it really did translate, we changed it to Texas Fashion Week. And, you know, I just want to send out lots of love and support because I know we're going through a really weird time with COVID. And everyone's like, is Texas Fashion Week going to happen? You know, I mean, everyone, right? We don't, we don't know. Everything changes and shifts hour to hour. My gosh. But the dates are solidified. Cool. It's going to be October 6th through the 11th. And yeah, and it'll always be in the fall. And we try to make it on a date where people who are in the industry can still travel to Paris Fashion Week and New York Fashion Week and all that. So, so that's why it's strategically placed like that because we yeah. do have locals who work in the big fashion weeks and yeah. so they have to be able to go. But yeah, so it is solidified. That happens in the fall. Mark your calendars because I know we're going to make it through yeah. this. 
<laughs> yes, please, let us this. Let's get dressed up and yeah. fashion and see fashion shows and then support the industry. Yes, for sure. So I like to end with a little bit of a deep question. Okay. But kind of looking into what your kind of purpose is with everything you're doing in the fashion industry. What do you think is the most important thing people can do or the most important change they can make to live with purpose? Oh my gosh. You know, I never really understood how powerful purpose was until I temporarily lost mine. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize that I was living with purpose my whole life. I didn't realize it. But when, when I worked my career in LA and I, 10 years hope I was building my career. I mean, just, I was so, if someone was like, work today until six o'clock, I was there till eight. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work on Saturday. I was there 9 a.m. Saturday. Like I worked so hard in Hollywood to get to where I was. And then after 10 years, I was finally a leader in an industry, an innovator making six figures, like, and then overnight, everything was taken away. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my identity, like, everything. I can't even tell you how quickly the carpet uh, swept up from under me. One thing, and since this is a health podcast that I'll confess, and this isn't a secret, I've told people before, not a lot of people like to mention it though, because I think it's kind of a touchy subject. But on top of my mother becoming ill, the man I thought I was going to marry at that time confessed he had a heroin addiction. Crap. And I had no damn idea. I knew something was wrong. Sure. We were arguing because he seemed tired all the time or he'd go missing. But the thing people have to understand is he worked for a record label in a recording studio. Mm -hmm. So he easily vanished because I thought, well, that's how it is right. in the record industry. You right. have to stay there until the album is cut. Sometimes the artist will stay all night. Sometimes the artist will go away until six in the morning. So he had a perfect alibi to mm -hmm. hide this from me. And so it was really hard. Like, I didn't know. I was just so doing my online stuff, creating content. I was, you know, I was even working for a brand called Laundry by Shelly Siegel at the time and learning from there. You know, like, it was just an amazing time for me. And I was so busy, too. Sure. It just slipped through the You're cracks. Just in it, yeah. And overnight... I lost the man I thought I was going to marry. I breached that contract, so I lost my money. You know, there's fees. That's why there's contracts, right? They wanted me to be the president of the department. Well, I can't do that anymore, and they did not care that my mother was sick. So lost my money. I lost my car, which is my baby. I got it back, but at that time, <laughs> I lost my car. That was, for me as a woman in business, being able to buy my dream car was sure. like a symbol of independence. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I love my car. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my car. Even more importantly, though, I lost my friends who had become my family, like my neighbors, my colleagues. I didn't know how much I had grown to depend on them to be my family because I only have a mom. Like I don't have any other family. Right. So they grew to be my world and I no longer had access to them. And then I was coming home and I just didn't feel like I fit in in the beginning because the industry of online media hadn't hit here yet. So no one wanted to give me a job. And every time I would suggest that I pioneer this department, they kind of looked at me like I was, I don't think they took it very well. Maybe they thought I was being a snob or like, oh, what does she know? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just, I lost everything. 
basically there was a really dark time. And when I had, I had this one job temporarily that was so outside of what I wanted to do that I was very depressed and I had no purpose. Mm -hmm. Like I had for the first time ever, I was living my life that wasn't something I designed. It was just so I had no purpose and I had no friends and I had no love and my mom was sick. So she wasn't able to provide any kind of care or love or emotion at the time. And I was really, really alone. Like I just, there was some dark times where I kind of just wanted to end it all. And not a lot of people know that, but that's how bad it got because I had started my life over already once when I went into fashion outside of music, that's already scary. But then to start your life over a third time, getting older, you know, it's traumatizing, you know, and and some people have been through what I've been and they actually did take their life, I found out because I went to support groups, you know, and they did. That's how bad and how nothing and no purpose, like I had nothing and I didn't know if I could start over. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, as my mom started getting better, like started getting healthier, that really was a trigger to start self-caring And I thought, okay, what are the things that brought me joy before? And I was like, well, my career, it was everything. Like I I love people and I loved creativity and creative content. So slowly I started going to little events. At the time there was no fashion events. Like it, it was hard to find fashion events back in 2014, very hard, but there was some here and there. I remember the grand opening of H&M at La Cantera was like this huge deal. That was a fashion that. event. <laughs> that was a fashion event. And at that time, at that time, because I was so financially in dire straits and starting over, I had to pawn a lot of my equipment. So I had to start all over with just my iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go film it. I'm going to start Salash. I'm going to go film it with my iPhone. You know, I don't have all the fancy stuff anymore. I don't have any money. It's fine. I started Salash with $28 in the bank wow. and my little iPhone. That's incredible. Yeah. And honestly, and I was so scared because I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to financially sustain myself with this here. So I was still frightened. I still didn't have purpose, but I knew I might as well not have purpose, but do something I love that brings joy than not have purpose and not do anything. So I started with the iPhone, you know, and at the time, I was fortunate enough to find some friends to studio with on St. Mary's Street and got a website going. And then slowly, I was, I don't know, I was happy again. And as my mom got healthier, I got healthier. And as my purpose grew, I got happier. And it wasn't until I felt the shift of feeling depression and despair right. into purpose again that I realized how vital purpose is to the human existence. Absolutely. It is so vital. But I don't know, that was just my personal experience with purpose. And I feel like based off of that, if you're feeling like I have no purpose, I think the first thing to do is, okay, have no purpose, fine, don't beat yourself up about it. Mm -hmm. But find something that brings you joy, and incorporate that slowly, because it could ignite something in you. Within that you find your purpose. You'll find it. And as long as you're bringing joy, really, that has physical effects, you know, inside, like you got to feel those endorphins, you got to feel that joy. Working out definitely helps, even though that's something no one ever wants to do. I can't, I was just telling you, today, I worked out for the first time in two years. (laughs) And it was just so weird, because 
my man and I had a car accident two years ago and it, it completely affected my back and my neck and I had shoulder surgery and I no longer could work out. And before that I work out like five times a week. Mm-hmm. And I have definitely noticed a shift in my energy level, my moods. I mean, everything. I've gained 45 pounds and I know people don't believe me, but I have. Mm. Yeah. in the two years, because I haven't worked out, like I haven't been able to have heavy impact. Yeah. But now we're slowly healing and I'm able, you know, to do some stuff after the surgery that I had and, and automatically like this morning with the COVID stuff, we were just yeah. looking at the news and it's just constant scary stuff. Yes. I went outside. I hit my punching bag. That's why I got my little, <laughs> I don't think you guys can see, but you can hear I have little punching bag gloves on. And I felt so much better in just 10 minutes. For sure. 10 minutes. For sure. Yeah. And working up a sweat and getting those endorphins and muscle memory. You know, my body remembered right away because I was scared. I was, yes, I was huffing and puffing. I am definitely not in shape, not by any means, <laughs> but my body remembered. Yeah. And it, it sent this amazing feeling through my brain. Like sure. my, I was awake and I don't know, like I couldn't wait to get started on the day, even though we're in the midst of this horrible pandemic. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Burgundy. I love your story and I just love everything about everything you're doing. So thank you oh, so much thanks. for sharing it. And I, and I know there's so much inspiration here for people to pick up. So thank you. I hope so. I hope so. I just, just everyone remember that, I mean, kind of we're all in this together. It's amazing how connected we all are. And I think what's going on in the world right now proves it. Absolutely. I said the same thing just the other day. I think that's the lesson we can all take from this. Yeah. Yeah. We're all kind of one, one yeah. big old organism. So exactly. hope everyone's well out there. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Burgundy. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.